This is Alyssa Olenek of Little List Fitness. And I'm Kate, otherwise known as Coach Carmichael. We are PhD students, endurance athletes who lift, outdoors enthusiasts, and entrepreneurs. We believe the narrative of the fitness and wellness industry is often far too extreme. So forget about the black and white messages that you've heard. On this podcast, we believe that life is best lived in the the messy messy middle. Welcome back to the Messy Middle Podcast. Today, we are here with none other than Lily Malardi, who is part of our science squad of educated badass women on Instagram. So if you guys don't know and you don't know Lily, Lily is part of one of the few people in this interweb of our science squad who actually know each other kind of in person. And so Lily and me actually went to the same high school. We grew up in the same hometown, but I didn't know Lily until after I graduated. And it was actually through fitness, social media, and Instagram that I found her because she got a bachelor's degree at Slippery Rock University in exercise science, which is like no offense to you, Lily, our hometown jokes is 13th grade because it's in the backyard of our, I mean, I went to a small PA state school too. So at Lock Haven's no better than Slippery Rock, to be honest. Let's be real. If not, it's worse. Um, go Eagles. But Lily went and got her exercise science degree at Slippery Rock. And I think honestly wasn't until maybe even after college that me and Lily finally connected. We've worked out together a few times. We've kind of grown together in this niche and space. And so I've always appreciated Lily because she's just so sweet, so smart, and she just has such a heart for helping people. And it shows through in everything she does, especially in the population she's worked with. Like Lily is just like the mother Teresa of like gen pop women who just want to figure out how to feed themselves and move without as much punishment and brashness to it. If she's just like, she is the color pink reincarnated is the best way to describe it, which is her brand color. So it's very fitting. And so Lily, after graduating from Slippery Rock with her exercise science degree, she went and got her master's of public health. And I think that's where a lot of her just mastery of what she does really came together. Lily is nothing more than the picture perfect version of what the messy middle is and a breath of fresh air in our industry, especially for the women that she works with. So I'm very, very excited to have Lily on here today. And also to be able to hype up another B-Town woman. <laughs> Go Tornadoes! <laughs> because there's you, me, and John, and that's it from our hometown that we're going to talk about today. So we're doing the Lord's work out here. So Lily, can you please you know, introduce yourself to our audience? And can you tell us more about your story, your background beyond the, what, the little snippet that I just gave? And honestly, how you became to the messy middle? Because I think of all the people that we know in our circle, your story is one of the most powerful and possibly one of the ones that women resonate with the most. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you so much. Your words are extremely kind. Um, I appreciate that. And yes, me and Alyssa go way back. So, um, and it's always great to um, link up and talk with people who are in a similar space to rant and learn from each other and grow. Um, but yeah, like you said, the way that I actually started, I think is a lot of how other people start. So growing up, I grew up in a household where we ate pretty balanced meals, pretty standard, I'd say, but my family did not put a lot of emphasis on exercise at all. In fact, I grew up in a household that I would say exercise outside of like an actual structured sport was kind of frowned upon um, because my parents, to be blatantly honest, had this mindset that you had to lose weight to exercise. So that's the environment I grew up in. I was like, oh, so I'm already naturally petite. Like I shouldn't exercise or I'm going to have this negative impact or this negative viewpoint from other people thinking that like, I want to lose weight. 
So obviously at this point, I had no idea the benefits of moving your body and exercise or anything like that. I was just kind of absorbing what my parents told me and learning from there. Um, So it wasn't actually until I had went through high school, you know, normal kid trying to figure out what they want to do with life. And I have tons of family that are in the medical field, doctors, nurses, PAs, things like that. So I was like, well, duh, I have to go into the medical field because that's what I'm just supposed to do. Like, I was very like, you tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. I was not, I was a very good rule follower. Like I did not like go down my own path, which I'm sure Alyssa and I will talk about this later on. It has taken me many years (laughs) to get to the point where I'm like, no, this is not right. I want to do my own thing. Lily gets Um, her own personal little (laughs) friend in her DM inbox for me all the time. (laughs) It's so true. Um, So I decided that I wanted to be a nurse and I was pretty dead set on it. And so I decided to actually go to a community college that had a nursing program. And long story short, I'm sitting in these classes and I just like hate them. I'm like, I don't. And I started to really think about questions like, you know, someone's coming in and they're getting treated for like this diabetic shock or like they're coming in and they have like this issue with their back because of all these other risk factors. Like, how are they getting taught how they can prevent this in the future? And Mm -hmm. I couldn't get those questions answered for me. And that's not to say that this is all programs. This was just my personal experience that I was so unsatisfied with the answers I was getting that I was like, this just doesn't feel like enough. It doesn't feel like I'm filling my cup and how I want to, you know, go out and be like the one sole nurse to change everything. So I feel like (laughs) it could be a part of maybe something different. Simultaneously, I had moved in with my boyfriend, who's now my husband, and I had no idea how to cook for myself. Like I just started (laughs) cooking like whatever that was available and naturally not exercising and over consuming calories is going to lead to weight gain. So the first thing I did as someone who was inexperienced, limited to no knowledge about exercise and nutrition, went down a deep rabbit hole of Google to figure out how I could lose weight yesterday because I didn't want to do the sustainable way. So I found all the things and it never feels good to admit it, but it also is, it's important to acknowledge the truth of it. I tried diet pills. I used to do cardio for like an hour and a half every day. I did five leg exercises, like leg press, um, like leg extension, like basic exercises that I would do because that's all I knew was reading a machine. And I would do this for like weeks on end. And I never was satisfied with losing like two pounds a week. I wanted to lose like five. And so things got really extreme really quickly. So while this is happening in my personal life, I actually am thinking about I need to change schools, I need to change majors, I want to do something different. So I found Slippery Rock, which again, is still pretty local to where I had lived. But it was also a bachelor's degree, which is what I had intended on doing anyways. And I saw that they had an exercise science program. I'm like, oh, is this like like a gym teacher program? Like, you know, (laughs) what does this mean? So I did some research. I'm like, oh, there's actually this really deep level exercise education that I could get. And I'm already exercising. So this would be perfect. (laughs) That's how every exercise scientist is born, right? Seriously, I was like, little did I know. I remember the first session I had with my advisor. 
I sit down with him. I have all my paperwork, right? Like I have like my curriculum plan, my old GPA, like my classes and what I completed because he basically sent an email. was like, don't even walk through my door if like you're not prepared. So I had all the things. (laughs) And he's staring at me, like laying all this out. And he goes, yeah, I'm just going to stop you right there. And I want to have a conversation with you. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, you know, scared shitless. (laughs) And he's like, did you know that the graduation rate of a transfer student is less than 30%? And I was like, hello. (laughs) And he's like, so he's like, the reason for that is because people have already established their friend groups and their study groups and they know everybody. So you're coming in as a black sheep and throwing yourself into something that already exists. And I'm like, all right. He's like, so what are you going to do about it? And I was like, I think I'm going to have to work twice as hard. And he's like, all right, now we can continue with our conversation. And I'll never forget that because I had to learn very quickly that it was like swim or like get out. Like they didn't want anybody in the program that wasn't going to like put in the effort. And so through education, did I realize that everything that I was doing was like not okay, Um, really harmful for my body. I couldn't even participate in a lot of our labs because I didn't have the energy capacity to do it. I wasn't Mm. feeling properly. And I had that knee jerk reaction that a lot of people do to I think a lot of things in in the industry, you absorb a piece of information that you take on as your own truth. And that hearing a different opinion unless you're building up that growth area of your life or just how you are as an individual, you have that knee jerk reaction. And that was something Mm -hmm. I had to work through as like a younger individual was I would ask really like insane questions. I look back on now and I'm like, Oh my gosh, just to be like, well, why? Because I read this on an article and I thought this was the truth. And it took a while for me to realize like I need to put everything I have aside, not just accept this new truth, but to really understand the why behind it, like understanding the processes and the development of how conclusions come and being able to look at everything and making either my own conclusion applied to myself or other people. Um, and so that was really amazing in my undergraduate in exercise science was learning a lot of the science, a lot of like risk factors, um, obviously a lot of like fitness testing and understanding like aerobic capacity and all of those amazing things. Once I went and pursued my master's in public health, total 180, because now I'm taking 10 steps back and looking at the entire population. So coming out of my bachelor's, it seemed very um, like concrete information, I'll say. And I had already started to develop like, okay, things just don't apply to everybody and that's okay. But it was still kind of like X plus Y equals Z. Like, this is what it is, because this is what science says. And science says a lot of amazing things, but it also is still going to come down to the individual on what's going to be best for them, which is what I learned a lot about in my public health. And um, not only looking at the person as an individual and what's going to work best for them, but also like everybody has different risk factors. Everybody lives in a different place. Everybody has different home life, friends, family, the way that they think, the way that they consume information. So, and that's actually like something I really appreciate because everyone is so different. So being able to actually just like lay out things for people and have them make their own decision is actually a lot of fun than arguing with someone and telling them that they're wrong and saying (laughs) this way or it's nothing because I had to go through that on my own. So it's, if I can save somebody from going through that same crap, 
that's a win for me. Um, so that's kind of like my journey through personal development, schooling, all that fun stuff. <laughs> okay, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing because I I feel you when you said like it's hard to share that like you yourself have gone through those pitfalls that you're now, you know, educating people to hopefully not make those same mistakes. And so I appreciate you like diving into that for us because I, so many people relate to that. And I think it's less of a weakness and more of a strength to say like, hey, I've been through it and I understand you as a person and what you're going through. And I'm you know, not here to shame you or tell you you're stupid because I made those same mistakes. So I love hearing that from you. And I also want to highlight um, the word you used, unsatisfied, when you talked about you know, transitioning from what you thought was the career for you and realizing that that didn't really fit your life. And there was that like unsatisfaction. I think that applies so much to what we talk about here on the Messy Middle podcast all the time, where it's like, here's the black, here's the white. And those messages are unsatisfying, right? They don't fit you as an individual. So I love that word. Um, and I kind of want to take that into your educational journey a little bit because you you know, moved from this nursing desire to exercise science, and then you went into a master's of public health. And so I'd love for you to highlight a little bit the difference. You, know, you talked about it briefly about like zooming out, but what really is the difference in the curriculum between exercise science and public health? And like, what was your personal decision like to pursue that master's instead of a, a master's in kinesiology or something like that? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I think one of the main differences is um, and I did mention this earlier too, is that I think a lot of the medical areas, um, or even like nursing as an example, when I was, you know, first pursuing that I had thought, let's treat people. And of course, like modern medicine is a beautiful thing. We absolutely need to treat people and help them through that. I just found that my own personal desire was to be on the prevention standpoint, or at least helping people work through managing things. And a lot of the education, I think behind it, like if people knew more, and they understood why, and they were able to apply it in their own way, like then they have the better power to make their own decision versus just telling them X, Y, Z. Um, and with public health, it definitely is much more like broad and every public health program is going to be different. Um, I've even talked to a lot of different people that still have the same masters in public health they got it at a different place, university, whatever. And it seems every program highlights something a little bit different. And it also depends on the concentration as well. And I'm sure this is pretty much with any graduate school, but I had the decision to either go like epidemiology, which I was like, no, thank you. Not interested in data. I can't do that. It's just not the way my brain works, but, um, or health and wellness promotion. So mm -hmm. that's the route that I went. So I got additional classes on things like motivational interviewing, um, nutrition, not so much exercise, but I felt very comfortable with the education I already had with exercise. So personally going into it, I didn't feel like I missed too much of that. Maybe somebody else would have thought differently. Um, but also we learned a lot of things about like pandemics um, mm -hmm. and just like global, like when I was in it, there was, um, and this is so horrible of me, but I can't think of it, but it was like one of the hurricanes had just happened. And so we had to do an immediate project on like, what does the emergency plan look like for that? How does this affect people's lives? How can they like get to a safe place? So it was like health, but then also like real world problems and like how the systems work and how our country and state by state is like set up to like protect and keep 
people actually safe as well. So while you're going through this whole journey, I want to circle back a little bit to your personal story with tying it in with your education, because I think all of us who go to school for this long, I mean, to some degree, like you are kind of, you kind of start with this nudge to like answer your own problems or issues or curiosities. Cause like I was an athlete and I was like, Oh, I want to learn all that I can about exercise. Or maybe, you know, for you, you were restricting and trying to lose weight and you wanted to learn more about that. And then we end that process. Obviously we unlearn a lot. So it's really not as much like, I think a lot of people think when you go to school for a really long time, like, yeah, there's a ton of knowledge gaining, but there's so much unlearning. And it is really humbling and hard to go through that. Um, and like I talked about in my episode, so to Kate, but it's like, Oh crap, everything I thought was an absolute lie. And so I'd love for you to talk more about how you have shifted like your own mindset as you've learned these things. So as you've gone from like super extremes, restriction, like diet pills, like the things we talk against to learning more about exercise. But then, you know, I think we think, you know, there's nothing wrong with just a bachelor's in exercise science, but of course the knowledge there is still limited. It's, it's hard to say that to people who are working towards that now because it seems so much at the time, but then moving into like graduate level curriculum, especially when it allows you to zoom out. So how did that, you know, how did your mindset shift with that as you went from like, okay, this is how I work out correctly, but being very logic based to, oh wow, health is so multidimensional that it's not just one plus one equals two. It's like one plus one plus seven plus six plus three minus four. Like, you know what I mean? When you've taken all these other factors, I can't even do that math in my head. Multiplication, division. But when you, like, when you talk about like literally like people who have been hit by a hurricane, like their health is, you can't just be like, oh, you, we got to go to the gym today. Like it's flooded, <laughs> but bro, like let's go. It's Monday. Never miss no, a Monday. Please. Yeah. Like it's just day. Like how, what are you going to do? Like hello. So how did your own personal mindset shift with that? And like within that, like what would be your biggest takeaways that you learned that like our audience can resonate with? But I feel like that probably really pulled you into this messy middle because you kept getting layers and layers of that BS that was on you, like being pulled off with each year, you probably got higher education. Yeah, that's a really great question. So exactly what you had said though, is with my bachelor's, I got a lot of unlearning and then relearning of science and literature. And so that's what really introduced me to like, okay, yeah, now I need to, now I know where to find legitimate resources and find information. Going into a graduate program and being able to apply those things, I think one with advanced degrees, your critical thinking skills are going to be challenged more and that they're going to grow. It's very important, especially as you continue your career and as a person, to keep up with your critical thinking skills. It's never just black and white. Even things that I learned in my undergrad, I'm still not going to take as like an Mm -mm. absolute correct because I don't know if it's changed. I'm going to have to look if something applies to like myself or my clients or someone's asking me a question like I need to take that extra time because that is my responsibility as a professional in this area to do extra research and make sure what I'm about to say is actually correct or most of the conclusions come to something similar. Or if it's different, then that puts extra work on my plate that again, I'm responsible for it and making sure that I'm looking at the full picture. And as far as my mindset shifting, I think it's like I had to unlearn a lot. It's not easy to sit with. (laughs) It doesn't feel good to be like, wow, everything I thought was wrong. But then kind of like I said earlier, it's like I thought I had all the new answers now. And just talking to like my family or talking to like friends and realizing that like they can't just like get up and like go to the gym. Like it's not just easy for them. That kind of goes into like, you know, the subject of motivation, which is something totally different. But just using that as like a simplistic way to explain it. It's like you cannot expect to just give people like 
bullet points. And then all of a sudden they're like, wow, yeah, my life has totally changed. I'm not going to exercise religiously every week and eat really healthy because they are going to face their own barriers and their complications. And they're going to have different things that cue them to do positive behaviors. They're going to have things that happen where they want to show resistance and they don't want to change. And that is extremely normal. Everybody has it. In, in us. And so when you're thinking about things like exercise and nutrition, it's so multifaceted and health in general is so multifaceted that it is not just a like you fit into this A column or B column. And that was a tough lesson for me to learn because in even though I had those challenges like growing up and just having to like relearn things, there are people in much different situations than myself that I can never relate to. But it is still my responsibility to understand it to the best mm -hmm. of my ability and then help them still work through that because they still deserve to get from where they are now and where they want to be. And so just realizing that every human is so different and that health is like so many different areas and it really matters to look at a person as a whole person and not just say you need to eat healthy and buy all organic stuff and you need to go to the gym it's you know if someone's starting to walk two days a week for 15 minutes and they haven't moved in months that's a huge win but a lot of people in the industry think that that's not enough and if you tell that person it's not enough it's going to go back to that multifaceted of health they're going to show resistance and they're not going to do it at all. So like yeah. you need to be able to look at somebody in stages of change as a evolution or transformative process. It is not just like a destination, like A to B. It's like mm -hmm. A, D, Z, back to <laughs> and it's normal and it's beautiful, but you have to like, I feel like that's something I really learned that I was really grateful of in my master's because it helps me um, work with clients better. It helps me work with myself. It helps me communicate a lot better because it's not just that A or B. Are you confused about what supplements you should actually be taking? In a world full of juice cleanses, detox teas, fancy promises, it can really be hard to trust anything. But high quality supplements when dosed appropriately can actually help support your fitness goals. And that's why I use Legion. I've been using Legion supplements since the beginning of this year, and after years of never really fully committing to one single brand due to lack of transparency in their labeling, unnecessary fluff, or just reporting things as blends and not knowing what's actually my product, I finally found a solid science-based product line that fits my supplementing needs. Legion's products are 100% naturally sweetened, and my favorite part, they are fully transparent in their labeling, and they use dosages that are actually backed with the science says you need to be effective and support your fitness goals. And not the least amount you can get away with, and not just labeling as blends, but fully transparently telling you what's in your product and why they dosed it that way. And this is huge, because it lets you know exactly what you're taking and if it's actually going to be effective, and then you can know what's going into your body. My personal favorites are their cinnamon cereal whey. Yes, it tastes as good as it sounds. The mocha cappuccino plant protein. Pulse, their pre-workout, which comes in non-stimulant or caffeinated stimulant based. And Recharge, the recovery blend, which also gives me the creatine I need to move weights well in the gym. Legion offers 100% money back guaranteed if you're not happy with their products. And you can save 20% off your first order today with our code MESSYMIDDLE at checkout. That's M-E-S-S-Y. M-I-D-D-L-E at checkout to save 20% today. You guys are always asking me, Liz, 
what the heck do you do on your long runs? And Kate has recently converted me to Audible. With Audible, I'm able to combine my two favorite pastimes, running and learning. If that isn't the most Alyssa thing, I don't know what is. I know, right? So Audible has helped carry me many, many miles with audiobooks and podcasts. And the best thing about it is I'm able to download them directly to my phone and listen to them while I'm offline, running through the woods in the middle of nowhere with no cell service. And since I have a reading list approximately as high as I am tall, there's no other way I'd be able to consume so much with how busy I am. That's exactly why I love Audible. I've been a member for years now because I honestly cannot read enough books if I have to sit down to read them all. Audible has been a godsend because I can listen to audiobooks while I'm cooking, working out, or walking my pup Rocky, but my favorite way to use Audible is as I'm going to sleep, and you guys, I recently found out that Audible has bedtime stories narrated by none other than Nick Jonas and Tony Shalhoub, who you may know as the character Monk. Their voices are like so perfectly sultry and like they really guide you off to sleep. It's incredible. So every month, members get one credit to pick any title, no matter the cost, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digest and guided meditation programs, dare I say, by no other than the Pete Diddy himself. If that doesn't scream littlest meditation, I don't know what does. The Audible app is available on all smartphones and tablets, and you can download titles to listen offline anywhere and anytime. You can start listening today with a 30-day trial. You get one title plus two Audible originals for free when you visit audibletrial.com slash messymiddle. That's audibletrial.com slash M-E-S-S-Y-M-I-D-D-L-E. Yes. Okay. I love all of that so much. I keyed in on a couple of like, you know, I'll say like more sciencey terms that we talk about like indirectly, but we don't really point out and define. So, um, you know, theory of behavior change and behavior change cycles or processes, uh, motivation, which we can say motivational interviewing, and then barriers to exercising. So I know all of that is covered in, you know, your formal education, especially motivational interviewing you've talked about on your page. Um, And you kind of even highlighted it just in that conversation about how you take into account the whole person, uh, where they are and finding the ways that like they can take autonomy in their own decision. Can you maybe like break it down for us to find those terms for us? Um, You know, maybe there's some coaches listening that want to, uh, you know, they're not going to learn motivational interviewing for one podcast, but they want to uh, know more about how that works and how that might suit them um, in their careers or for somebody who's just listening about behavior change and they're, you know, trying to identify somebody who would be a good coach. Like what are those elements that help somebody shift, um, you know, from point A to point B thinking to more of this like transformative process that you're talking about? Yeah. So for those who don't know what motivational interviewing is, I know there's like a much more specific definition of it. I'm just going to kind of rough my own explanation. And a lot of people think like, oh, motivational interviewing, you're just going to motivate somebody to like just get up and run. (laughs) I wish it was that easy. It is not even close. But It's instead helping the individual on the other end of the conversation, or maybe it's a client, whatever it is. I mean, I do motivational interviewing in literally every conversation I do now. It's so (laughs) unorthodox. I don't know how to pick it up anymore. Um, My husband actually like can't stand it, but (laughs) not MIing me, and I'm like, but I'm not. And he's like, yes, you are. Uh Um, But it's basically driving out the motivation within that person 
person, but allowing them, like Cable, you had said, like respecting their autonomy and their own decision making and things. So even um, as an example, like if I'm talking with someone and they're really thinking about, I want to lose weight, I want to start exercising, I want to start eating healthy, but they haven't done any of these things yet. And a we all know these people who want to go like head first. I was one of those people that was like, I want to do all the things and I want to do it like now, yesterday. And um, so by being able to be the um, kind of like facilitator of the conversation, I guess you could say, and just saying like, you have all of these goals, you know, affirming that like, this is amazing that like, these are things that you want to do. And that's awesome. You know, if you could think like, if you could pick one thing to change right now that would maybe impact the other things or is the most realistic for you right now, what would that be? It puts the responsibility back on the person to think and really start to break down and think logically like, okay, yeah, I probably shouldn't start meal prepping every day for this week and wanting to like run and go to the gym because I haven't done that yet. And I have a family and I work full time and I have appointments and I have other things. So I could definitely go to the gym like twice this week. And I think I can start packing my lunch instead of buying. You mm -hmm. just help them. I mean, that was like a much more condensed version, but getting them to those conclusions, like, those are amazing ideas. Like those are amazing action plans that people already have in them. Sometimes people need a little bit more guidance and there's definitely appropriate places to insert education. But again, everything is with permission. Everything is respecting their autonomy. Even no matter how bad you want somebody to change, if they're not ready, you're not gonna change it. And it's so important to respect that because the more you push, the more resistant they are and the less they're going to change at all because our normal response to things is to do the opposite of what people tell us to do. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really important when you're in those conversations, especially if someone is looking for you, to you as a coach for help, that you are just respecting where they are. And that's where I think a lot of my coaching has greatly changed from like four years to now with gaining that education and training and motivational interviewing is that I am much, I still am prescriptive in the sense of like, yes, here's your like workout plan, right? But when it comes to like actual changes, figuring out how many days per week, well, equipment, where do you want to even be when you're working out? What is your nutrition going to look like? It's not like, here's your calories, here's your workout plan, you're working out six days a week, bye. It's like a you know, where are you now? Where do you want to be? What's the first step that we can take? And adherence is so much higher for people. People mm -hmm. start to change a lot more. And the best is that they give themselves credit because like, it's not like, I, I give you the tools, but I don't yeah, I can change your life for you. Like, I don't like you did that. You own mm -hmm. that. And that's the best part too, is like, I don't want to be thanked. Like you changed my life. I didn't do anything. I gave you the blueprint but you had to put in the work every day. You had to make those decisions every day. And that's what the most important piece is. And so motivational interviewing is that communication strategy, I guess you could say, where you're just respecting where a person is. You're hearing them, like not just hearing to respond, you're genuinely hearing them on where they are and what their thoughts are on where they want to go. Little bit of guidance with their... Um, you know, permission, and they're doing all of the rest. And it's an amazing thing to see. I've seen people, I've worked with people who, um, you know, not just wanted to lose weight, but just start to 
you know, eat healthier or just start to be active maybe after like a surgery they've had and now they don't have any pain anymore because they realize how much activity can actually help them in a safe way. Um, people quit smoking. It's like awesome to like actually see, you know, deep down when people want to change, they're just not really sure where to start and they have somebody who actually listens to them, how crazy it can be over time. I think that's really powerful. And I think that's probably a big central theme in most of our friends and how we run our coaching business. Well, it's one-on-one or group coaching or whatever it is that we do, or just our messages is that like, it's giving that autonomy back to people. And like, I always tell my clients, I'm like, you are not food or exercise robots. Like, and I think the problem is the people in the industry who are promoting that you have to do this, 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 mm-hmm. they don't realize that if they would just let people be human, they would get them to do what they want to do. They want them to do anywhere they think is best anyway, but they force these narratives on people and it's too much, too fast, too soon and they crumble and break, but it's also not leading people to make these choices for themselves Mm -hmm. and making that decision for themselves and also finding that within them. And it is, it's so much better when someone comes to that conclusion themselves. And like, that's why like within my programs, I build it so they can shift and modify and cut. And because I'm like, I can't, I'm not, I'm here to give you your tools. But like, if I tell you, you have to do everything hundred percent verbatim, I'm going to fail you. Like, but every single woman in that program can modify it to fit her life because we're not all the same person. Like that's absolutely super silly. And I think my favorite example of this, I don't think you've ever met my mom, Lily, but for years and years, and I think we talk, when we talk about family members, it's hard to get them to listen to us because you know, what's best for them and you want to tell them to move. And it literally for years, I was trying to get my mom to exercise more and move more and be more active. And it took her reading my Instagram post every day for like (laughs) a year. And she started walking and she like jogged a little bit here and there. She started doing all stuff, but it literally took her indirectly reading my post and coming to that choice on her own. Mm -hmm. Then a decade of me, and even if she came to me, like I'm someone who would like, kind of tell people like I'm I'm I'm, tr- I'm a solution finder so I'm always like we need to do this this and this like this is super easy like don't you see that and like I know better than that with like most people with clients I'm like come here you gracious little do- fawn dear let me take you and show you the way and give you the tools but with family you're like you don't see this hello <laughs> like you're doing this wrong but it's so funny because it's like all I needed to do was just to let my mom make that choice on her own. Um, and I thought it was hilarious that it t- like she was like oh yeah I've been reading your post so I started walking and running and all this stuff and I'm like Duh. Like I know better than that, but it's, you know, but I think that's important to give that autonomy back to people. And I say that all the time to people. They're like, oh my God, your program did this. I'm like, no, like literally you did this. Uh And I think that's so important for our listeners to like, like really lean into those words Lily is saying, because no matter who your coach is, whether it's me or Lily or Kate or whoever else it is, you're doing the work and you should be working with someone who acknowledging like that's your work. And they're, that's our jobs. We're supposed to be facilitators of these tools and methodology, but like you have, like I always say, you have a say in your health and fitness goals. Like it's not, you only get this one size fits all. Like you have a say in how you do things. And so I really just wanted to like lean into that because I think that's really, really important for our listeners that aren't coaches. And then if you are a coach, what Lily's telling you that to do with clients, even if you're like, no, 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 I need to tell them exactly what to do, you're not going to listen to change that way. I learned that like within weeks of starting my coaching <laughs> business. I was like, fuck, wait, I know science, but I have no idea how to get people to do things. I was like, oh my God, it's not just giving a program. And like immediately I had a shift because yeah. it was not, that's not what you're taught in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but immediately I was like, oh, shit, no one is logic minded. We're all emotional creatures. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, 
Yeah, no, it's so true though. It's like, and that's where I think a lot of coaches, they want to give, give, give. So you Mm -hmm. think the only way you can be validated as a coach or considered a good coach is the more that you're giving in terms of products. You can give all the calories and macros in the world. You can give all the guides. You can give all these specific training plans, you know, assuming that like health and fitness space coaches. But like, if you're not treating the person as a person, and you're not listening to them when things aren't going well, and you're not being flexible, you know, depending on what your service is, like one-on-one coaching, you're not being flexible to what they need, and they're reaching out for help. That's something that like makes me really upset whenever I have clients and they're like, yeah, my last coach, I told them that I it was I was having a really hard time tracking because like it's just not fitting within my lifestyle. And they said that I needed to do better. And I'm like, that's just not how the world works. Like clearly, you know, maybe that coach was like living in this perfect world where everybody had the exact same resources as them and didn't have a family and didn't have pets and didn't have like another full-time job that was so demanding of them and had to be in a call center all day. Like you have to take those things into account whenever you're helping someone make changes because they're not living the same life as you or them or that person. And if you have the same expectation for everybody across the board, you're going to fail yourself and you're going to fail your clients. And then no one's winning in that situation. Lily, are you implying that you can't just sell to people what works for you? (laughs) Are you implying that's madness? (laughs) I'm saying that like maybe if I came out with my own meal plan and sold it, that, you know, I I don't think it would work. (laughs) Which weird. (laughs) On the topic, what's your opinion of uh, those, the videos that you see of like what I ate in a day and- I hate that. um, (laughs) Burn it down. (laughs) Yeah. And so like I say that because- One, I used to do them. I'm going to be totally honest. I used to do that all the time. And what I found is that people copy you. Mm -hmm. Even if your intention is genuine, like I'll show my meals and I'll show recipes, but I will never say like, this is my full day of eating because one, Mm -hmm. I go days and I forget to eat sometimes because I'm so deep in work or like I'm going through drive-thrus. I don't need some angry messages about how my whole day was filled with fast food. Leave me alone. (laughs) I also like, just because I realized that I've gone two days without eating a vegetable, I realized that I want to eat more vegetables the next day. Like Mm -hmm. every day looks different for everyone Mm -hmm. I don't need somebody to copy me and what I'm eating and then being like this isn't working I must be failing like no you're not failing you just shouldn't be doing what I'm doing and I think that like of course the intention can be good but I think a lot of people do it and I've seen a lot of this on TikTok of like 1200 calorie like what I eat in a day and it's enraging to see because it's like why would you even show that? There are people that are so many different shapes and sizes and, and activity levels that like nobody should be eating 1200 calories, period. But it's like, it just blows my mind because I'm like, it's so dangerous because people will copy exactly that and you just have more. Mm-hmm. I think that goes a lot into with like really early on and like we've all done things we look back at and we would never do now because we know better and that is part of like becoming a better influencer or coach or whatever and there's definitely room for that like learning Um, but I think it comes from that like that really naive place of like you think you're helping people or like you feel like you it's that it it really makes me cringe but it's like I just want to inspire people like that's so selfish but like you feel like people are really into what you do and that you're helping them by sharing what you do but they really are trying to emulate you and be like you and it's just like this really unhealthy 
thing where exactly what you said, like it doesn't show what one person eats in a day generally doesn't reflect what they eat every day on average or across the year or what they had a bad day or a busy day. And it just gives this false snippet of how we're supposed to feed ourselves day to day. And so I love that you brought that up because I think that's something, I mean, I, we've all seen those what I eat in a day things or especially like TikTok, it's getting really bad right now with the viral oof, 1200 calorie ones. And I know that's a huge issue, but Tying in, because this is a lot of what you talk about. I know you work on this mindset a lot with like clients and in your job and everything like that. When it comes to nutritional messages, like I know you you lean on a lot of things of like how socioeconomic status affects this in like topics around like superfoods and canned versus fresh or organic or you know, you have to eat these specific foods and be so perfect in order to find health. And I would love to hear you talk about because you do such a great job with educating this on your on your Instagram. I know you do this with clients, but helping them break away from that mindset of like healthy eating has to look a certain way and especially tying in those messages like you talked about from your public health where where you live and your access mm-hmm. in financial or social things, like how that Im- impacts that. Yeah. So, and that again is something I've had to learn over time too. And I'm just so glad that I was like got my head out of my butt like early on in my career and just like kind of took the time and, and to realize that too. And that, um, and of course, like when it comes to like certain labels, like organic, grass fed, things like that, I am not an expert on like a, this is exactly what it means on a microcellular level. There are amazing (laughs) experts in that field that can answer those questions for you. But I know the basics. The basics say that organic is no healthier than regular fruits and vegetables. Also, if you are telling people that they can only have organic fruits and vegetables and they are not financially equipped to invest in that, there, that causes a lot of other issues. It causes stress in the grocery store because you're looking at all of these organic things that you feel like you need to buy, otherwise you'll die. And it's also the stress put on your family because now you're changing your entire lifestyle around it. You know, things like juicing being spectacular and this magical thing or, um, you know, superfoods, it causes a lot of extra money in your grocery bill and your monthly investment that, let's be honest, the majority of people don't have. College students, high school students, um, even people in their career, like depending on what you're doing on a day-to-day basis for work and what you're um like dynamic looks like at home, like not everybody has the luxury to like go and buy organic foods. And so if someone can't buy organic or buy these special powders or these supplements that they feel like is going to give them the epitome of health, why are we making them feel like shit? Why are they making, why are we making them feel like they can no longer achieve better health now? And like, that's an issue I have because it's like, when you're looking at factual information that can be found on things like eatplate.gov, fresh frozen canned it's all the same if you're and unless you're getting like things like um fruit that's like in syrup it's recommended to get in juice instead of syrup because it's at you know many extra calories but other than that the nutritional value of it is pretty similar across the board and canned vegetables last a lot longer than fresh so if you're somebody who's maybe buying in bulk where you only grocery shop every other week or maybe even once a month because you're too busy or your budget only allows for that. You know, allowing 
and, and knowing and understanding that those other two options aside from fresh are really great options for you and your family to still be able to get in those micronutrients and eat healthy, but have flexibility and save money and not feel like you're wasting everything is like an amazing thing. And of course, I know that there are people who are going to be like organic forever until I die. Good for you. That's great. But that's not real life. Like, I will not buy organic food. I still think it's so expensive no matter what, even at like Aldi and they're a pretty affordable grocery store. It's just the micronutrients are the same and the benefits are still there. So get what makes the most sense for you. And same with like, you're talking about like supplements, green powders, things like that. It's just extra money that you're literally just like throwing away that is not giving you any additional benefit at all. And I think that a lot of times when people are promoting like, look at my all organic juiced bananas <laughs> every day for breakfast for 14 days in a row, like, I mean, bananas are a pretty cheap vegetable. I can't think of something or uh, fruit. I can't think of like a really expensive, you know, mangoes when they're not in season are like hella expensive. So like small payment on your car. Days, like will cure your toxins in your liver and make you walk again. I don't know. It's <laughs> <ridiculous>. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. You're not you're not wrong. No, and also, I didn't just make that up. I actually had somebody comment on one of my posts and say that they have seen celery juice help people stand up out of oh. the chairs. So. Help us. Celery. I don't th- by what mechanism, please, sir. <laughs> please tell me by what mechanism celery juices refuses Jeez. your spinal cord. My God. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's just like a frustration that I have. Um, but yeah, so anybody listening to this who is stressed out and spending a lot of money on organic fruits and vegetables, or organic food in general, because you feel like you have to, and that's the only way to be healthy. You've been taught wrong, please buy regular fruits and vegetables that are frozen, canned and non organic, and you will be fine. I think that message is so freeing especially in the pandemic that we're in right now. I mean, for me personally, it was a it was a big change to, you know, when we first started going to the grocery store and only like going every two weeks if we could or even like stretching out longer. So being able to buy cans, like you said, uh, canned vegetables that can last you a lot longer and, and go in between shops because you don't want to be out and about and, and expose yourself like that that's really important to know, especially now that these things are still going to be healthy for you. You're still going to get the same nutrients, especially for those who have children. I know we always, you know, want to do better by our children than was done for us. And so I think it's especially empowering to parents out there that you can give your children the, the nutrients that they deserve. And it doesn't have to be, like you said, organic, fresh, expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love that you highlight that, um, on, on your Instagram. You also talk about a lot, a lot of other like popular topics. So um, some of the ones that you've mentioned, like is sugar addictive? Um, you also highlight frequently around holiday seasons, like that, that holiday binge and then, you know, subsequent restriction mindset that everyone kind of mm-hmm. falls into or, you know, the messages around bikini season, quote unquote. So um, could you dive into some of those other messages that you fight on Instagram and, and just with, you know, with your own personal clients and, and things like that? Yeah. So I think that a lot of those posts are even inspired by stories I hear or things that I find 
on social media myself and knowing, especially where I had started once as a consumer, it, I take it a little bit more personally because like a lot of my clients, I've walked in their shoes. And even though I'm so glad that that is in my past, that still is a very clear part of where I've come from. And it also plays a role in how I treat things or go about talking about things because um, I used to be on the defense, you know, when I would take on the truth as a piece of information and then, you know, learning something differently can be really tough. Um, but I think that a lot of the, the fear that some social media influencers put out there, obviously it's extremely unethical, but it is like the limit of enraged that I feel does not exist. <laughs> so like, um, when people talk about how sugar is addictive, when you're looking at the the evidence behind it, it's not. Now, are there things called highly palatable foods that are high in sodium and sugar and they taste really good? Most people, especially, I always use the example of um, like eating at night. So like a lot of people think like, oh, sugar is addictive because when I'm hungry at night, I binge on all of this sugar stuff. Well, if we take a step back and look at you again as the whole person in the situation, you could very well not be eating enough during the day. You could be using food as a stress coping mechanism. There are other things that are triggering that event to happen. That does not mean that sugar is addictive. It means that that food is just pretty darn good. I don't know about <laughs> you guys or even those who are listening, but when I'm starving or could really go for like a good snack, my instinct is not like, wow, I would really love to like munch on cucumbers right now. It's like, <laughs> I really go for like some tacos or Doritos or like, I really want to make some chocolate chip cookies. Does that mean that I'm addicted to sugar? Absolutely not. And obviously this goes a lot deeper too with the thing with like sugar addiction is that are there some mental, um, considerations that we should take into account? Yes, I think there is. There's definitely extremes for everything. There are unique situations to everything where, you know, if someone is having a true eating disorder and maybe somehow sugar only is incorporated into that, they need to get professional help. But if we're talking about like general population who feels that sugar is somehow evil, it's likely the things that you were taught incorrectly or the environment that you're setting up for yourself. If you are drastically under eating, your body's going to tell you it's hungry one way or another. And I'm telling you, your body's not going to be like, please give me some celery. It's going to say, please give me like the highest, yummiest food near me possible. That doesn't mean those foods because they're processed or bad or have sugar in them. But we have to understand the situation and the environment that those things are happening in to really have like a logical standpoint on it and then change from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that kind of goes into again, like getting those messages from over restriction and not allowing people to live their life like with especially around holidays, I'll never forget when I was I'd say like right on the cusp, like I had finally came around the corner and was like, there's this whole new world with like people matter, like their emotions and their triggers and their cues and their environment and like all of these things that play a role in their health now and where they want to go. And I'm scrolling on Facebook a couple of days before Thanksgiving and there's this woman on a live talking about how everybody needs to be dedicated. It's all about willpower and she's bringing containered 
food to her family Thanksgiving dinner and eating Ooh. that instead. And this woman had thousands of like people watching this live viewers. Wow. And imagine being a consumer and digesting that information. And now you're thinking when I go to my family's house and eat turkey, I'm a bad person. I'm going to throw all of my progress away. Like I'm doing such a bad thing. That is so messed up. Like it just makes me so angry. It's like you can treat the holiday like the binges are happening because you're restricting those foods from the get-go. They're happening because you're telling yourself they're bad and you're not allowed to have them and that you shouldn't have them and that they're evil and like you'll never buy them because you can't even have them in the house because like you're uncontrollable around them. Well, what if you were actually taught that you could have those foods because they'll always be there? People treat holidays like they're the first, it's the only time they're ever going to have in their entire life. They're never going to have a brownie for the rest of their life. It's only this one time. That's it. But that's because people go into the rest of the new year right around the corner thinking, I'm done with brownies. I don't know about you, but I want to have brownies for the rest of my life. I'm going to incorporate <laughs> cookies cookie, throughout my week <laughs> forever. And with allowing those foods within your diet at all the time, it takes away that like crazy hyper focus around it. Mm -hmm. A cookie now, just a damn cookie. It's not like, oh my God, it's a cookie. No, it's a fucking cookie. Hell yeah. It's when you go into the holidays, you eat food and then you move on. And that's my favorite thing that I get to see clients go through mentally. You eat food. If you eat out on a date night, a girl's day, you have a couple drinks, you go boating, you have a holiday. You eat the food and you move on. And then that's it. There's no over restriction. There's no extra cardio. There's no like, I need to make up for this. There's no guilt. There's no negative mindset of I was bad. It happened. It's life. So pick up with your normal routine whenever you feel good about it, which is for most people, once you're already in a good routine is likely not soon afterwards. You don't think twice about it. It was in the past like any other day. And that's the way that it should be. Okay, quick. Our episode title is Lily Wants You to Eat the Fucking Cookie. Because yeah, that that's amazing. <laughs> and it's so true. And I think that shift with like clients and especially with women, then that's a lot of what we work with. Obviously, you know, men want cookies too. Um, <laughs> men can eat cookies too. But especially because like the diet narratives are a little bit different. Um, you realize, especially like when you acknowledge earlier when we were talking about like food of the day reflection things, is that like one day you might eat like whatever you want but then the next day you're gonna be like oh i really want a vegetable like that sounds really really good or you realize that when you're in those situations you're not inclined to like overeat and overcompensate like you're like oh i'm gonna get some turkey because like i i like protein protein actually is something that i enjoy to eat but also you know i you know these green beans look pretty good because i freaking love green beans but i'm also gonna get some mashed potatoes and a slice of pie but like you're not emotionally thinking you're not only eating pie for the whole meal because you're not going to be able to eat a pie for the rest of your life it's like you realize that like all the stuff that you actually try to do when you were quote unquote crazy dieting you end up inherently indirectly doing because you stop viewing as a salad is the only thing you only eat when you were trying to lose fat or weight loss yeah. or whatever like that but actually like oh wait it's crunchy and fresh and it tastes pretty good and like I feel really good when I eat these kind of things mm -hmm. and so you end up indirectly just fueling yourself normally yeah. and appropriately but also enjoying those foods that you used to kind of associate with punishment but like mm -hmm. realizing that like you can be in these situations and 
order what you want and stop when you're full or ask for a side of veggies because you genuinely want them and then go back to your normal life the next day, which doesn't feel like it requires a lot of emotional labor to do. Um, so I think that's, I really want to, I really love that transition for people as well. I think it's such a beautiful thing. It's like, you see these people come to the top of the mountain and they see the view yes. and they're like, it's like in the Lion King. We're like, all of this is for you. It's all of this is yours. And it's like cookies yeah. and brownies. And <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Oh, so and so good. I want to tie this in though, because I know this is something I share with my clients is your products on how to track with my fitness pal, cooking eBooks. And I know like a big thing for you is to make these things like eating healthy on a budget, mm-hmm. making recipes simple. Like I know a bit, like a big, big, big pillar of everything you do is making these things as simple as possible for people and your clients. Yeah. Because for a lot of us, it's the it's a, it's just so much more emotional labor to cook well and feed ourselves well and especially because for, i think the biggest diet issue we probably have is nothing to do with like not knowing how to like what to eat we know what's healthy it's how to feed ourselves yeah. and how to make it and how to make it taste good and i know that you have a bunch of amazing products but you also talk about this as a lot is just like eating healthy doesn't need to be expensive and it doesn't need to be complicated so can you talk about like your products but also like how you incorporate that in with your coaching and what that means for our listeners Yeah, so I go a lot off of nourishment. So kind of exactly what you were saying is like, yes, I'm not saying that you should just eat cookies all day long. Like I know there are people I always get like DM. So you're telling people they should just eat cookies all day. (laughs) No, Sally, I'm not. Like eat your cookies, eat vegetables too, because they're good for you. Get some protein because that's good for you. You should encompass all different kinds of foods and macronutrients because they all matter with the way that you are nourished and perform and go about your day. And so I have a tracking guide because a lot of my clients are looking for either body recomposition or fat loss or even just maintaining and thriving where they are. And so a lot of that can be with tracking. However, I have a lot of clients that don't track and we do something that's called habit building, which is like, obviously goes a lot deeper into like what I do with each client. But habit building, you think of an area that you can improve on. um, And you use it as like small little check boxes. So if tracking is totally like, no, this is not for me. I challenge you that maybe the next time you're eating out for lunch, or maybe you're making dinner, check off boxes like do I have a veggie on my plate? Do I have a protein? Do I have a good source of fat somewhere, whether it's a cooking oil you use, or maybe it's a part of the actual meal? And do I have a good carb source, whether that's a potato or an actual grain? And so by being able to look at your plate as something that's going to provide you nourishment and value and kind of checks off those boxes, naturally, people start to make overall healthier decisions as well. And not like a salad is the only way I can eat healthy. It's Mm -hmm. how can we make sure that that salad is actually providing you everything. And it's not just greens and dressing, you know, providing Mm -hmm. that are going to taste, make salad taste better and also check off those boxes. Or you can do this when you're traveling, you can do this when you're making meals for yourself. Um, And it's something that really does resonate with my clients whenever they're not even sure about tracking. However, like I said, Um, more than half of my clients are dabbling in the tracking area. A lot of people pump the brakes when they hear tracking. They're like, "Uh, uh, like last time I tracked, like I was miserable. You were probably not eating enough. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Everyone defaults. They get on my fitness pal. Do not let my fitness pal calculate your calories for you. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So... 
if you're going to use my fitness pal, which I think is a great database, are there going to be some errors on there? Yes, but in my tracking guide, I show you how to find the most accurate um, item in the library, how to actually get started tracking, how to actually calculate your own calories and macros. And I promise you it's not 1200 calories. I don't even need to know you to know that it's not that low because it's just not. Um, <laughs> understanding your activity level, that plays a role in your overall calorie level. Um, how to work the app, it all includes screenshots and step-by-step. -step. And so it's really, really helpful for people who have bought it and then kind of given me their feedback on it or even clients who get it automatically within their packages. Um, and it is fantastic. Even if you've tracked for a while and you're just like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing right? Should I be weighing this? Like what is accurate? What is it? It's going to clear up a lot for you. And the guide's not even expensive. I think it's like 20 mm -hmm. or 25 bucks. Um, and so my recipe guides are usually paired really well with my tracking guide because like you said, Alyssa, I'm very like, keep it simple. <laughs> like don't make it complicated. Like, and I'm somebody who does like to bake in the kitchen. And sometimes I will make some intricate recipes every now and again, but I live a busy life like everybody else. I work a corporate position. I own my own business. I have a family. I got some other stuff going on. And so feeding myself needs to be the easiest possible thing I do all day. Um, and so my recipe books are for people who maybe just want to learn how to like cook meals for themselves that are pretty easy or just kind of like get creative in the kitchen. Um, so there's like feta and spinach stuffed chicken. That's a really big hit for my clients. Um, there's quesadillas, there's different crock pot meals, um, really just to help you, you know, check off those boxes, like I mentioned, but also get, have fun in the kitchen and enjoy new recipes and make it tasty and fun. Yay. So we are going to link all of that in the show notes so that you guys can go and get access to that um, because that's some really great stuff. Lily is not only saving lives by allowing people to continue eating cookies, but she's also a literal lifesaver. You guys, this is one of the like greatest stories. Like, okay, when I first got on, I think it was when I was first on Instagram that you popped on your stories to say that as somebody who is CPR first aid, AED certified, that you literally saved someone's life in Panera. So can we touch on that before we wrap the show? Because <laughs> Yes. Um, so my worst fear, and I don't know if everyone else is like this too, whenever like you get certified in like CPR. Um, I've been certified for years. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even know how long. It's been so long. And um, I get recertified every year. And um, along with the Heimlich. And so I was not feeling my lunch that I had brought at all. And so I used my lunch break for my in my corporate job to go to the gym. And then I usually just eat while I'm working. Um, not the not the most recommended because I know it's easily distracted, but whatever. So it's the only way I could fit in my workout. And so I was like, I'm not feeling my lunch. I'm just like going to do a quick workout. I'm going to go hop over to Panera and like pick up my food. And I'd already placed the order online. And I, so I walk into this Panera and I see this long line, like standing and waiting to like order. And I'm looking for the signs like at the top, like where do you pick up? and where are you ordering? Because this Panera is packed, 
packed. And that matters in the story because I was mind blown that nobody else had helped. And there's this woman who's standing up and making like, she's crossing her hands, which is the I'm choking sign. And her husband, and this is like an older woman, I'd say like at least 65. And her husband, I'm assuming who's standing next to her is like, oh my God, oh my God, you're choking. Are you okay? Oh my God, somebody help her. And there were people blatantly ignoring her and so it happened so fast so I literally just like dropped my keys and my phone and I went over to her and I was like are you choking because I wanted to like really get like a yes because I was like I'm not about to like hop on this woman you know (laughs) she's like yes and so she was nodded and so I went behind her and I did the high like I was like all right here we go like I blacked out like if you asked me to teach somebody now I'd be like oh I don't even know like where you put your hands like it was just it happened so fast like I literally so her food goes flying and oh when I'm God. giving her the I'm like no I'm screaming the to the Panera employee who's probably like six feet away behind the counter I'm like you need to call 911 because I'm like if this if I don't get this out she's going down like she's gonna go unconscious Mm -hmm. like there's only two ways out of this and so I gave her the hind like the food like comes out and the whole Panera stands up and starts clapping and I'm like oh get my food and get out of here right now like so I'm like you really should like go to the hospital because there is definitely you know some issues that can happen in your esophagus Mm -hmm. after that happens so FYI to everybody like make sure that person goes and gets some medical attention afterwards because you never know um but yeah it was insane and like my adrenaline was so high like you know when your body trembles so I'm walking out of Panera shaking like (laughs) and these people are like good job thank god you walked in I'm like yeah thank god because there's a hundred people here and nobody else wanted to help it was just crazy so thankful for being certified if anybody else is certified and they have that fear like me you're gonna do great (laughs) i need to get recertified i'm I'm expired now (laughs) when the pandemic hit so i've been i've been expired since april like first uh or uh red cross now has a fully online you've been online one we're trying to get that sorted because i mean i'm not i'm not teaching or testing in person so i don't need it until yeah it's fine but i'm gonna do the online one it's it's a simulation based um program i've done so just in case i I black out and give someone the heimlich i'll let you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) so last thing lily before we do our little final fun game um if you can tell people where they can find us and go ahead and tell us about your actual coaching program i know you have your mind body group coaching that's like your big thing where you really do a lot of what we talked about today with Mm -hmm. clients so if you can just tell our listeners more about how they can work with you where they can find you like what exactly working with you looks like um i'm sure that's something that they would love to hear because this was phenomenal like there are so many good nuggets in this so i'm sure so many people are like oh i want to work with lily now and like i want to work with lily so because she gives me cookies Yeah. um, So my mind body group program is kind of like that um, other option aside from one on one. And that really promotes a lot of community. And so a lot of I've noticed a lot of women will thrive in that aspect, knowing that they're not alone. So in the Mm -hmm. program, you do get a full gym program and home program, you get both of them, you don't have to pick. Um, you know, just which one. And then you also get custom nutrition with calories and protein. We do do um, habit building as well throughout the program. You kind of break through those mental barriers that a lot of people have with like the all or nothing mindset, overcoming those holidays and understanding that like life is going to happen. Again, getting that community support. There is 
All the programs are held on my training app as well. So you get full access to all of that, as well as my tracking guide, my recipe books, a nutrition guide that's exclusive to my clients only that I don't sell to the public. Um, and then we have monthly group calls with everybody. And so it's a ton of fun. Um, lots of amazing breakthroughs and amazing results. And so if you're somebody who's looking to lose fat or even just maintain and thrive where you are to improve your training and get stronger and make sure you're eating enough, um, the program is definitely for you. Uh, best place to find me is Instagram. So it's Lily H Fitness. And that's where I'm always hanging out and messaging and posting and popping on stories. Amazing. So we're going to link all of that below. Um, so please go check out the show notes if you're interested in getting to know Lily more, working with her. All of that is linked in description. So Lily, to close this episode, it's time to play this or that. While we truly believe that life exists in the messy middle, for the sake of fun and irony, we like to close the show by forcing our guest to rapid fire choose between contrasting things. Today's this or that items were specifically selected for you. There will be 10 rounds. Lily, are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right. Frozen or canned? Oh, that's hard. Uh, I'll go with canned. I like the salt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Reels or swipe post? Reels. <laughs> you're killing them, by the way. Yeah, you're doing amazing. Um, you're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> deadlifts or back squat? Uh, deadlifts. Permanies or Eaton Park? Oh, Permanis. Yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> Meal prep or freshly made? Uh, freshly made because they're simple and easy. Mm -hmm. There you go. Doing it. Cookies or ice cream? Cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, it better I kinda, be now, I, right? I, Before when I wrote this, I thought that was a good one, but clearly I should have known that. <laughs> I should have been a second. Yeah. Beach or mountains? Mm, beach. Wine or coffee? Ooh. <sighs> coffee. I know, this is a hard one for you, Lily. Me too, dude. That's hard. Sassy or sweet? Sassy. I've been getting better. <laughs> I love that. I am the number one sass and stiller in Lily. I have brought out the monster and I want her to thrive. I fuel her with my energy. Yep. I oh, love no. sassy Lily. Oh, man. she's. I mean, you're very sweet. I like that part about you too. But I love when you get sassy. <laughs> Okay, last one. Bob subs or sheets? Oh, I'm going with sheets. So many options. Okay, y'all have to delve for our listeners who have no fucking clue like me what you're talking about. So, so for those of you who oh. didn't grow up in the general Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania region, um, Permani Brothers is the famous sandwich shop in downtown Pittsburgh that like puts like coleslaw and and we in pittsburgh we put french fries on everything so fries nice. on this texas toast bread with some sort of meat it's literally a heart attack in a sandwich it's amazing um <laughs> very european i guess like sauerkraut and stuff like that we just will go and just get the plain sauerkraut yeah um and then eaton park for those of you who maybe listen to mac miller growing up rest in peace mac it makes me very sad every time i think about that um if you've ever heard him sing the lyric keep it smiling like an eaton park cookie um, Eaton Park is like a so diners are a really common thing in that region of the country, and we have a lot of chain diners. So Eaton Park is like just a chain diner. It's amazing when you're in high school, you go there like all the time. It's open 24 hours. Nice. And it's really good food, even though it's not great. This it just it's Eaton Park. You just you go there you after do. the bar. Like that's a thing. <laughs> or sheets, that's a close second. It depends on what kind of mood your group's in. Yeah, and so sheets in Wawa are like the rivalry 
gas station things. Um, so like a gas station where you can order food at is becoming more popular. There's some stuff in the South here that's growing that, but like Sheets and Wabar were like kind of that original concept, I think. And so Sheets is out of Western PA. So it's our Western PA's version of that. And it sells like subs and hot dogs and nachos and mac and cheese bites and everything nice. fried and specialty coffee drinks. Like literally it's like amazing. It's yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I how- slushies now. Do they really? What? Yes. You, so they put a little sticker like on the top where like the like basically says like you can go out with it like don't drink it obviously but like yeah they put a sticker over like the where the straw goes. Yeah, I haven't been home in to, in twenty twenty because of the pandemic. So this is genuinely have like a lot of flavors. I think like six flavors. Okay, that's amazing. Sheets has really stepped this game up. We just make fun of me because I was raised on nacho cheese hot dogs and gas station food. Like that is a running joke in our relationship because that's what my father fed me was bug juice. I don't know if you drank bug juice I growing up. Bug juice. juice. <laughs> bug juice like the little like they're like squirt it. Yeah, that with nacho cheese dogs from Sheets is like what my father. My dad eats. Have you been to Larry's gas station in Mer- Meridian? Do you know what I'm talking about by the ice no. cream shop that I used to work at? He yeah. eats gas station pizza. Like this is not how I was raised. So anyway, I was raised on gas station food. For anyone who like needs to know why I am the way I am with food. And then Bob's Subs is this sub shop in Slippery Rock. And then there's another one in Butler, right? Or maybe it's yeah, Clarion. Yeah. I think there's one in Clarion They're too. too. They're like in Lower Borough now. And- oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so Bob's Sub is like this like made from scratch sub shop. And shop subs are really big in the Northeast, if uh-huh. people aren't aware of this. Um, but they're just these really good subs that like right by where Lily went to college when I ran cross country in high school we used to get them all the time and so they have really good sub sandwiches so this that's the backstory on all of yeah the you guys did any references you guys didn't realize when you were listening to the messy middle podcast that you were going to get like a whole tour of what you should eat when <laughs> on Pennsylvania food yeah yeah Amazing. well my last one I'll add is if you go to Pittsburgh you got to go to purgatory and then yes. get their alcoholic milkshakes yes I know, man. Okay, Lily, I'm gonna come home to visit. We're just gonna take. A, we're gonna take an Instagram <laughs> takeover. Tour of food, like yeah, oh that is a full day of eating. I will do. Okay, yes. Lily and Liz take on the bird. It's gonna happen, and I'm there filming it. Yes, and, the, and I'll be, be the cameraman who's like eating behind the scenes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Lily. Lily, uh, this was amazing. This was so good. Also, everyone, this was Lily's first ever podcast interview, and she is, Would you know it? She's you, so well It was way better than, like, any <laughs> podcast interview I have done. Lily, you are the most articulate, like, land mermaid I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> so, with that, <laughs> will you help us sign off? <laughs> sure. All right, you guys. We want you to live well. Demand better. And stay messy. Yay! Yay! And eat the fucking cookies. Eat the we'll, fucking- we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye.